0: Every person who I consider a family member is in here worshiping together. And so that's something to me special that Living Truth uh, does. One of the things that, the aspects that uh, gravitated me as I was looking at serving uh, got me here to Living Truth, being able to worship together as one, from young kids to the oldest kid, aka Pastor John. Um Man, I love that guy. If you've never spent time with him, I encourage you to do so. He is, truly understands the love of Christ, and he is special. But uh, today, we're going to have one of our very own kids, Jocelyn, come up and read the text. Come on up, Jocelyn. This is very different size. Uh, here you go, Jocelyn. You got it? Do you want me to hold it? You got it? Okay. An apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. So good. Give it up for her, great job. Thank you for uh, reading today. You could take a seat. Guys, how awesome was that? So good. So good. Once again, it's a family Sunday, which to me is always special. And uh, I I love it simply because we can worship as a church family. And today, uh, there is supposedly this thing that it is my birthday. That is Wrong. Uh, my birthday is technically in two days, uh, but Michael Enriquez, uh, I know he sits over here. There he is. Yes, Michael. He's one of our young adults. It is his actual birthday today. So if you see Michael, encourage him. I, I, I've always enjoyed Michael because uh, Michael is, to me, a, a great encourager. Um, I, I've got to enjoy spending time with him as he was one of our youth students, now one of our young adults, and he always came in and... and it was just always fun to be around him. He, he sought knowledge. Uh, he has a wonderful mind. Um, but to me, it was always, I, I could ask him a question. And you know when you ask someone a question, a true question, and they like actually ponder before just coming up with a, an answer? Michael is one of those guys. And to me, having those types of interactions is always fruitful in my life. It's encouraging to me in my life. And one of those things I was thoughting, man, how many of us need to be encouraged? How many of us need to be encouraged or simply to be pointed back to the truth? But we could take a straw poll. Man, how many say that life is difficult? <laughs> I see people with two hands up in the air. <laughs> I wasn't expecting any hands, but I got two hands. You know, it's funny how, how Paul writes to Timothy and he actually says, man, you've been chosen for this ministry. If we go a little bit past the text for today, in verses 18 and 19, Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy saying, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance of the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage a good warfare, holding faith in a good consciousness. What, what I love is how Paul wants to, and he writes to Timothy to encourage him. And Paul knows, that Timothy knows, that the end goal, that the, the goal of all that we do is to love. As we've experienced the love of Christ, if we, we know the love of Christ, if we know that he is holy, we know that we are not, and we are in desperate need of Jesus. And as we've experienced that love, a love that is unlike anything else, we want other people to experience it. We want other people to have it. We want other people to know it, to embrace it, and to see them have the greatest joy that anyone can have in this life. And so Paul understood that Timothy understood the goal, that he was what Paul calls Timothy a faithful child of the Lord, and that he had a genuine concern for God's people. Even though at times Timothy had a close relationship with Paul, He had a calling on his life, and he had spiritual gifts that were given to him. Timothy was easily discouraged. I love the fact that the Bible points to that there are people in the Bible that we read about that did awesome things for the glory of God, and they had faults, and they were discouraged. And there's times where I go, I'm not alone. And just as God will use them for his glory, he can use us for his glory. And in today's text, we read that the last time that Paul was with Timothy, Paul had to encourage Timothy to stay in Ephesus and to finish the work that had begun. Now, Timothy, he was easily discouraged. Uh, We can read about how Ephesus wasn't the best place or the most enjoying place to to pastor in a city. And talking to many churches, many pastors, a lot of people go, man, it is not uh, easy to pastor a church. I look at Living Truth and I go, man, I enjoy my job. I love my job. Please know there's hard days. Sundays are amazing, having the church body come together to celebrate what Christ has done for us, to be edified, to grow in spirit and truth as we worship him as Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is nothing better. And that encouragement, that, that love, that, that knowledge that, that I, I'm growing in more and more. Please know I've been on this journey for a while, but each Sunday I grow more and more. There's nothing greater than experiencing the joy that's found in his salvation. Wednesday nights, though, Wednesday nights are a little rough for me. I love Wednesday night. So this past Wednesday, we had our youth students uh, up here with Pastor Shane leading us through worship through music. If you guys don't come on a Wednesday night, man, you guys are missing out. Past, not Pastor, but uh, David Moo, our, our young adults director, one of the best communicators uh, I- I've listened to, has a passion for God's word, loves Jesus, loves his family, loves his wife. Um, it is evident that he clearly knows who Jesus is and how to love other people. With the love of Christ. So this Wednesday, we had our youth students up here uh, worshiping through music, leading us. And then we went upstairs, and typically we have small groups. We, we play some games, we, we do some announcements. Those small groups, we have conversations. We always try to point people, point our students back to Jesus. And man, we encounter life. Who thinks life is always easy? I love uh, our missionary, um, Ben. As he said, man, I, I, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, started following after him, and I thought life was going to be easy. You man, how many of us thought that? And then on the wheels met the road, and we're in it. Our circumstances haven't changed, but this is not our home. This is not the end. We have a hope in Jesus Christ that is unlike anything else. And so we need to be encouraged. We need to have reminders that point us back to the truth. Before, as we look at Acts, uh, if you look at Acts 19, verse 10, it talks about what Paul had done in Ephesus before. It talks about that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles. One commentary states that as we look at Ephesus... The city that Paul is urging Timothy to stay in, Paul's ministry was filled with extraordinary power, so much that the idol making industry suffered substantial economic loss that caused an event that was known in Ephesian as the Ephesian Riot, led by the Idol Makers Guild. They knew that in Ephesus, it was one of the most powerful Roman provinces in all of Asia. And as this was going on, Paul would go on and we read in Acts 20 to warn the church of Ephesus to pay careful attention, to be alert, to take, to take care for the church of God. As he knew once he leaves that fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So imagine what, what, what Paul had done for the glory of God, that, how God had used him of a servanthood, uh, of, of his grace and mercy. And all the things that, that Paul has done. And then Timothy's like, cool, you get me now. <laughs> yes. I look at the times where I go, man, I, there's been times where uh, I used to play sports. Play sports? I don't know how you say those things. Um, I used to be in wrestling. Obviously, not now. But um, it's funny, when, when I look at it, one of the guys who was on our team, the heavyweight, he was, he was a state champion. Uh, he was phenomenal. And then I was like a freshman, and the coach looked at me, he was like, and you're next. I was like, oh boy. The encouragement. Thanks, coach. Can't wait to be a part of the team. But it's hard. We need people to encourage us. On that wrestling team, I had people who was alumni come back to help train me. I'd go to colleges and work with their heavyweights, work with their wrestlers to help grow in the knowledge of how to wrestle. We all need encouragement. The end goal for wrestling, man, to win. The end goal for us as Christians, to help glorify God by having people experience him, know him, treasure him, and love him. And the end of it, for more people to love him more and more. And so Paul writes to Timothy, and Paul does so to encourage Timothy to help people actually understand how the local church should be managed, how to enforce his authority as a servant of God. And we actually see in the text that Paul explains the responsibilities of a pastor to love the sheep, to speak truth to the sheep, to care for the sheep, and the people of the church to teach sound doctrine. So before we get into the text, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your peace. Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you that we can find hope in you. And Lord, as we look at your text, Lord, let it reveal the truth of seeking you. That we desire to know you truthfully, to love you faithfully, and find our greatest joy in you for other people to experience you, to know you, and to love you more. Lord, we, uh, we, we think of this weekend as Memorial Day weekend. Lord, we thank you for those who gave their lives for the freedoms that we have in America. We thank you for them. We thank you for this country. Lord, we pray for revival. Let us be a people that love you faithfully follow after you and share your truth and your love with those that we interact with because our greatest freedom is found in you. So Lord, be with today as we seek you above all things. In your gracious and holy name we pray, amen. Now from the very greeting of this letter, Paul desires to encourage his authority as a servant for Christ Jesus. And there's times where we see where he's giving... Timothy encouragement as he is finding trouble and let's be honest that they were looking and going man is, is is this our pastor and Paul was or Timothy was placed there by Paul ultimately by God and was given authority by God Paul was considered an apostle meaning one that was sent by God for a special commission And that apostleship came at the commandment from Jesus Christ himself. It's a royal commissioning. And if we're true Christians, if we're true followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is not only our Lord, but he is also our Savior, which is a title that is actually used 10 times in the pastoral epistles. Paul, like us, we should see ourselves as ambassadors of Jesus Christ one who is our Lord that has sent us out to represent him in a foreign land. And remember that we are not of this world, but we are his representatives here. In verse one, I love how Paul makes the reference of saying this, Paul, an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. You know, David mentions that God is our salvation in the Psalms. And so does Moses in Deuteronomy. Mary in the Magnificat says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So to encourage Timothy, Paul writes that Christ is our hope. Never forget that. Never leave that. Have that foreprinted on the the, the mind of your heart. Your mind and your heart of your heart, knowing that Jesus is coming for us. Let's be honest, this world is crazy. We don't even need to look at the news anymore. We hear about it from everyday conversations. We need hope. We, as believers, have hope. Let us live in that hope and joyfully follow after Jesus, even in the most difficult of times. We need people to remind us of that hope. Timothy had a Paul. Paul had a unique rel- relationship with Timothy. It's thought that as Paul was going on his first missionary journey, that he may have stayed at Timothy's house and knew Timothy's mother and grandmother. He knew what they were teaching Timothy. He knew that it was the word. And Timothy had some type of fascination and, and uh, looking up to Paul. Paul. And we knew that he was the companion of Paul, visiting other churches, bringing letters to him. And Paul said that no one was like-minded as he was as Timothy. So we see Paul write to Timothy and address Timothy as his son in the faith. And I go, man, we need more people like that in the church. We need older people in the church to reach out and love on and share the truth of Jesus Christ to the younger members of this church. You know, it's it's one of these ways that as you go on into verse 2, it says, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul goes on to write that and often shares of things that he's going to start off in the letter and expand upon later on in the letter. But because of grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, we have a hope unlike anything else. The reason why I keep bringing up that we need older members of the church, ones who know Jesus, experience Jesus, and love Jesus, to impact the younger members of the church body to know and experience and love Jesus is because what the kids are facing today. I, I, I hear so many times, man, I'm praying for the youth. I love that. Please keep praying for our youth. Please not just be praying for our youth, but all youth. Those who know Jesus, who have experienced his love, who are living in faithful obedience to him, and those who have yet to believe. My desire is that whenever a student comes in, man, They get to know who Jesus is. They don't get to know who Matthew is or or Wendy or Angie or Willie or Eli or Patrick, whoever it may be. They get to know who Jesus is. Because our kids, they need truth. We live in an age where social media is king. Everything is posted there. You have an uh, opinion? Put it on there. You want to know something that may be truthful? Put it on there. Seek it out. I love social media because I could get to connect with friends that are all around the world, but at the same time, I hate social media because of the lies and misinformation that is shared. Barna Polls—if you've ever looked into Barna Polls—they did a poll of teens today. A global study of teens. This uh, this poll came out two weeks ago. It's a sneak peek. They worked with other uh, ministries as long as as well as Alpha, Biblica, and World Vision. In a poll of teens around the world, most teens have a positive perspective of Jesus. Most believe Jesus embodies qualities they aspire to have. 47% believe that Jesus was crucified. Just over a third, 33%, of teens believe that Jesus rose from the dead. One of the things we actually did because of our students wanting to seek truth was we started a Friday night, the last Friday of every night, we go to Angie and Wesley Plaza's house, two of our leaders here at Breakthrough Youth at Living Truth. And uh, we have a night of conversation, about three hours. We usually have some time of of fellowship, eating a meal. And then we have a guest speaker come in and and we talk about a topic. And we've talked everything from, man, uh, guardian angels, do they exist, to uh, the last one we did was Scientology. We've talked about cults. We've talked about numerous things all throughout scripture. We've done it for about three years now. It was because our kids wanted to know truth, to seek out truth, to study truth. They actually do homework, get this, they do homework and study and come with pages of information for this night. Some of them are questions, some of them are answers that they had questions to it that they want to share with. And we bring a special guest in on these nights and we just have them have a place to have a conversation. And as I was there, it kind of blew my mind. Uh, We had Chris Olson, uh, one of the worship team members, come and and share his knowledge of Scientology and some cults that he looked into. And he goes, man, I was blown away. Like these kids knew a lot of the information I already knew. And these kids are wanting to seek truth. They're wanting to experience the love of Christ. And and Church Body, we need more people that want to do that. In the city of Corona, we had one of our students tell us that her friend who goes to school in Corona told her that she is a Christian that does not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. In my mind, I was like, wait, what? Can you repeat that? Like, help me understand your thought process, not your thought process, but your friend's thought process. How does that work? Where do they have hope? And truth be told, I wonder why, and I think maybe we found the reason why teens don't have hope. We need to teach the truth of the gospel. And we need to do it in a way that shows them the love of Jesus Christ. Our goal, our aim is to love. We have to speak truth. We have to give proper teachings of who Jesus is. And we have to walk alongside them. Most teens today, you know what they want? Just someone to walk along with them. Someone that they could go to and ask questions about, to experience life with. You know youth ministry, we only have about four, maybe five hours of a week with a student. I love my job. I love our parents. I love our grandparents who are parents. I love the guardians. are impacting and our parents to our students. I've been at other churches, I've talked at camps, I've talked at conferences. The church is not the primary disciple maker of a student or a child. That is the parent. We come alongside them to parent, to help, to influence, to speak truth, to walk alongside. But church body, we need more people to come alongside our youth. If you want to talk about how they're hurting, man, I could, I could bend your ear for a long time after service today. It doesn't take that much time to spend with a child, a youth, for them to start enjoying you, to start having questions that, you throw, that they throw at you. And sometimes we don't even know the answers, but we're willing to speak into them the truth of Jesus Christ to show them the love of Christ. And what happens is sometimes they just tag along with you. And you're like, okay, I need time away. Like, please don't text me right now. But man, they're like, hey, did you see this video? Hey, what about this? Did you know this? Why is the heat capitalized in this verse? It's like, man, these are good questions. Let's, Let's talk about it. And that's what I love about Timothy. Timothy wanted to spend time with Paul. Timothy wanted to grow in the hope that he found in Jesus Christ. And he desired to spend time with Paul. But Paul had to urge him to stay and remain in Ephesus. He wanted Timothy to encourage, and and, and he actually charges him to to, to make sure that the teaching was biblical. It goes on to say that Timothy would, in verse 3, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship of of God, or from God, that is by faith. Paul actually goes on to use a military type of language in verse 3 to help Timothy and the church leaders to see the seriousness of the problem at hand. The word charge means to give strict orders from a superior officer. And Paul actually uses the word charge or command eight times in the two letters he writes to Timothy. It's, it's this idea, as one commentary puts, Timothy, you are not only a pastor of the church in a difficult city, but you are also a follower of the king of kings. And this is a message not to take lightly. Don't take this message lightly. And that message is not to teach different doctrines. There isn't enough information to determine what actually was being taught and what was false But we see it as troubling to the church. The the issue is not so much what the false teaching is, but the effects that it was having, which is a direct contrast to the goal of the apostles' teachings. There are certain people that Paul kind of illustrates. He says certain persons who were teaching these false ways And he doesn't mention them. And some scholars think that it may be those mentioned in 1 Timothy 1.20 or 2 Timothy 2.17, but he doesn't mention them by name in this section. What is concerning is that these false teachers were not from the outside. They were not just individual people in the house churches, but these were leaders in the house churches teaching this. That's the reason why Paul urges Timothy to stay in Ephesus. Proper teaching, the truth of the gospel, needs to be taught. Paul actually mentions doctrine or teaching seven times in 1 Timothy. And the followers of Christ in the early church were taught the word of God and the meanings of basic doctrine. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now the pulpit is for enlightenment and enrichment, not for entertainment, as some people have made it today. It is to preach the word of God for his glory, not for the person who stands behind it. And we need to speak the truth. And just like the full body of the church those upstairs who are down here today, I'm thankful we're in a church that teaches them the truth of the Gospels, that unashamedly teach the truth of the Gospels. And I'm thankful for each leader. If you're, if you're a, a teacher in kids ministry or in youth ministry, I'm thankful that you teach the love of Christ that you preach the message of, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you do it in a loving way. And as God has committed the truth of the word to Paul in 1 Timothy 1.11 and then Paul had committed to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.20, it is that Timothy's responsibility, this is why he urges it, this is why he charges, it's the responsibility in second. Timothy 1:14 by the Holy Spirit along as 2 Timothy 2:2 says to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. But it causes me to think who are we passing along the truth of the word to? Are we teaching the gospel to our own kids? to those we have influences. I know there's a lot of Bible studies that meet throughout the week. Are we sharing that hope? Are we sharing that with our neighbors? The hope that we have in Christ. You know, even studying this week, man, I have a a five-month-old son. And I deal with a lot of things that the youth are involved with today. man, I know I'm in for a battle. But me and my wife, and I'm thankful that we have a niece with Pastor Shane and Natalie that are wanting to raise up our children in the ways of the Lord. Teaching them the gospel. Sharing his love with them. Because guess what? Kids and students alike are hearing a lot of voices today. Schools, even families, friends, and we could always throw on social media. Not all of those, and maybe sometimes none of those, are teaching the truth, are sharing the love of Christ. Are we gonna be people, a church body, that speaks truth for them to understand the love of Christ, for them to experience it, to know it, to treasure it, and to share it with others? Because even even in the text we go into verse four, it says, nor to devote themselves, this is talking about those teachers, themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Paul goes on to discuss these false teachings, these myths and endless genealogies. And these teachers, instead of teaching the apostles' teachings, devoted themselves to these myths and endless genealogies. And we know that the Old Testament is filled with genealogies, and they would uh, make perfect substance for, for myths. And they would make these symbolic metaphors from stories about people in these genealogies. And sometimes these myths would actually have uh, be an excuse for immoral behavior of what the teachers were saying. These teachers were not teaching salvation by obedience to the law. There is no mention that in the pastoral letters. It was that they were set out to go against, it wasn't, sorry, it was not that they were set out to go against God's word. But what they were doing was they were wanting to go deeper into the text. They were going beyond the simple and the true interpretations, and they were wanting to teach by giving people and events symbolic meanings. They desired to make simple stories have this uncovering of fantastic truths that were bigger than what was intended. One commentary uses the example, what you young believers believe is good. It's a good beginning point. But there is more that those of who have paid the cost of meditation and study of the text that can show you. Like Adam and Eve. Adam stands for spirit. Eve represents the flesh. One is good and one is bad. Paul actually skips on in verse six and seven to share the style and the reasons of the false teachers within the house churches. He goes on to say, certain, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away from the vain discussion desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now, rabbis in this time were called teachers of the law. And these elders of these house churches in Ephesus aspired to be Christian versions of these rabbis. They desired to be authoritative interpreters of the deep things of the Old Testament. And these false teachers were raising questions but never answering them. Paul warns against questions that only create confusion and disputes. Now, we all know people that love to ask questions. I love to ask questions. I enjoy asking questions. My wife doesn't like to go into certain places with me because I ask so many questions. She says that I go in social butterfly mode and she kind of just lets me do my thing. Um, I love going to coffee shops. It's one of my favorite places uh, to go. And typically if I see someone have like an open book, I'm like, oh, what are you reading? Huh. So what is the author trying to, to, to point you to? And I always like enjoying these types of conversations. And to me, though, that's a different aspect. Because these people, they were bringing up questions and asking questions only because they wanted an argument. They didn't want to know truth. They have a position that they have support for. So they make you get involved and they want to confuse you with their argument. So they ask questions not really to seek answers, but seek an argument. I remember being at Norco High School. We used to go to the high schools. Uh, They would allow us to come in and and participate with their uh, Christian clubs. And we'd go in, we'd bring pizza, we'd bring some games, we'd hang out with them. We'd either uh, give a devotional or we'd have someone come share their testimony and and present the gospel. And I remember being there right outside uh, the room that we were in with one of our former students. And a girl comes up and she goes, you hate gay people. I was like, Me? She goes, you hate gay people. You don't even know me. She's like, You're a Christian, you hate gay people. I go, listen, like, my cousin's gay. Love him to death. I don't agree with his lifestyle. He knows that. He knows I love him. He knows if he calls me, I'm gonna be here for him. I don't agree with how he's living his life though, but, but who said I don't love? I wanna love people, I want other people to experience love. And she said, you hate gay people, and walked away. And the student's sitting there like, he's just like, what do we do? I was like, listen, she's not here to have a conversation. She wanted to make her point. And I think at times he, he goes, well, why didn't we say scripture? Why didn't we just throw scripture at her? I was like, she needs to be loved. She needs to hear truth, but she needs to be loved. And that's why I think a lot of the time we need people to teach sound doctrine. Paul makes a great emphasis in First Timothy with the basic purpose to teach the people in Ephesus how to live And in chapter 3, verse 15, it says, to know how to behave in the household of God, which is the church, to teach sound doctrine. There is a connection between having a correct view of God and how to live our lives. And having a right understanding of God is at the heart of living for God. We can ask the question, do you love God? Most of us are gonna, I hope and pray, all of us say yes. If we learn more about him, are we gonna love him less? Absolutely not. We're gonna cause, we're gonna be loving him more. And the power that we have as we learn about his holiness, the more that we learn about his holiness, the more we learn about his grace, his mercy, his, his excellencies, his love, the more we will know him and the more that we will love him and the more that we will trust him. I think the greatest need in the church today is to have more people passionately wanting to worship and to know God, to understand God, to love God, and to find our greatest joy in God so that others desire to know God, to understand God, to love God, and to find their greatest joy in God. The goal is to share the love and truth of God. And we can only do this by loving God and in doing so, loving others. I think the heartbreak of this passage is in verse four when the stewardship from God that is by faith was not being promoted. The church and its leaders have been given the responsibility of administering or managing the truth that salvation and Christian living are by faith. But by faith wasn't going out. And they got caught up in vain conversations. Are we desiring to have people, as an end goal, know how smart we are? Or are we desiring, as an end goal, for people to know and understand God's love so that they love him more and that they follow after him? I love, because it all ties into verse five. And in verse five, we see that the aim of our charge is love, and if the Ephesian elders would put a stop to what was being taught and go back to sound doctrine. The result would be to love God and to restore, to love God's people. A love of truth, certainly. We need that. But also a love for both God and man. 1 John four twenty and 21 states, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God. Whom he has not seen. And this command we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, love for others is made possible and is fueled by a love of God. John Piper writes Love is the overflow and the expansion of joy in God, which gladly meets the needs of others. It is first a deeply satisfying experience of the fullness of God's grace, and then a double satisfying experience of the extending this joy in God to other persons. I love how Jesus says in John 13, 35, by all, by this all, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As we've experienced the love of Christ, man, it's gonna be evident in us loving other people. It's gonna be evident by we have student leaders who come and spend time with our youth Wednesdays, every single Wednesday, every Sunday, they take time off for family and to get a break, but they're up there. Same with our teachers up in the, youth, or in the kids' classrooms. Same with those who teach Bible studies throughout the week or our women's studies on Thursdays. As we've experienced this love, we want other people to experience it. The question is, are we going out to help other people experience that love? And our desire should not be to prove how smart we are, how much biblical knowledge we have, or, or to, to win arguments. Our conversations and our interactions with others are to be rooted in love. 2 Timothy 2.24-25 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. We are to love we want to see people treasure Jesus as lord and savior and follow him for the rest of their lives and to spend eternity with Jesus and if we're caught up in in the isms of christianity and we're trying to have these debates and we're trying to make our points where's the love I wanna grow in my knowledge of of God. I spend time with people older than me. I love Mark sending me articles, Joe Kelly spending time with me, Pastor Rizzi spending time with me. There's guys outside of this church that I meet with that spend time with me, why? Do you think they get knowledge from me? They're like, yes, I mean with Pastor Matthew. No, that's what the kids say, I'm joking. (laughs) Sometimes they say that. Um, But no, simply, man, they're impacting wisdom the truth of God, for me to know God more with the end goal for me to love God more, to experience that love, God, uh, of love of God more, and ultimately, for me to help other people experience the love of God more by knowing who he is and what he has done. Let's be a church that does that. If our desire is to know more about God, is that our end goal? or Are we wanting other people to know him, to love him and embrace him? Now, this must come from a pure heart, not of sinful desire, as the text says, a pure heart. And the goal of our teaching and even our study must come from a pure place, not one that is defiled, not one trying to show how clever or smart we are or seeking to show how great of debaters we are or simply trying to embarrass one another with a lack of knowledge. If those who don't know Jesus don't know or see the love of Christ, where are they going to get it? God can work miracles, but we are his ambassadors. And if he has shown that love to us as ambassadors, we need to share it to others. And this love must come from a good conscience, as the text says, not one heavy with guilt. And a good conscience comes first from applying the word into our own lives. We got to be living this out. We gotta be free from guilt. There, there's times where we gotta go to the Lord and just give what is on our heart to him. Just dropping it there and leaving it there. Not trying to pick it up. Not trying to say, ah, I, uh, man, I... We need to worship and love with a good conscience. And it's easy to stray from a good sense of right and wrong when we do not practice what we teach. It's also easy to stray when we expect others to do what we ourselves are not doing. We need to have a good conscience if we are to love. Lastly, this love must come from a sincere faith, one that is not making belief or making up belief in hypocrisy, but one one where we really believe in what we are teaching and what we speak about, an honest, genuine faith not simply to engage in intellectual conversation, but a faith that is being put out, a faith that is being lived out, that is helping other people hear, know, and experience the love of Christ. And sadly, the way that some people live their lives has no relationship to the the faith that they speak of with their lips. But let's have a purpose with an aim and a goal of love, a purpose to build one another up, Let's have a purpose to encourage one another to love. As we teach, as we grow, as we have conversations with one another, as we keep Jesus at the center of those relationships, let us do everything we do with love so that he is glorified and we find our greatest joy in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love. And Lord, at times as we need encouragement, Lord, we thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Lord, let us remember the hope that we have in you. As this life is daunting and is difficult at times, this is not our forever home. And as ambassadors, Lord, let us take that seriously. Let us speak your truth for your love to be shown and be known so that as other people see us ultimately they are seeing you so Lord we thank you for today we thank you for the full body of the church being in this room together let us be one that speaks boldly your truths to share your love to all generations of your church walking alongside them and having them see the joy of your salvation. We are grateful that we get to be part of the process, Lord. We say these things in your mighty and holy name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.